come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your polter guide, Kinsey. I'm your polter guide, Donna. I'm your polter guide, Mac. And this week we watched the 2012 film Sinister. I will say this has been a suggestion of uh, editor Billy's for a bit. So he, I know he's very excited that we are covering it this week. I will be in spoiler territory very fast, even though it is a 10 year old film, but you know, we, we still got to give you a warning. So let's uh, go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you seen it before? I had not seen it before. I don't think I'd heard of it before. Um, you know, I liked it okay. It wasn't my favorite movie I've ever seen in the world, but I didn't hate it. I wasn't angry. I watched it. So, yeah, I liked it. Um, I was just going to say, I'll take that as a win. That's... Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I had not seen it before, but I was unsure if I had seen it before because there were things that were sort of familiar about it, just like from the poster and the, the details about it. But by the end, I was pretty sure I had not seen it before. Um, I was having a significant problem confusing this with Insidious most of the week, so I almost watched the wrong movie. I was like that close. Um, Same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to double check just a couple times to make sure I was watching the right one. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of cliche holding this movie up, but there are some genuinely creepy, unnerving moments that recommend it. So that, that's where I'm split on it. I think when you got somebody like Derrickson, who is a pretty good craftsman of a scare, uh, it gets better. But the the story is maybe not as strong as it could have been. I agree with all of that. No. Well, I had seen this before. We actually saw this in the theater. This is one that we've always kind of really dug. Like at the time, because Insidious came out in 2010, where this was 2012. And at the time, like it just you really didn't know what was going on and there was just a lot of creep factor to it mm-hmm. and just a lot of unexpected scares. And it just, it always for me felt what insidious, the very first insidious should have been like, it should have done that. And it definitely was a great way to see Derrickson, which I mean, we, we've seen now later on with Dr. Strange, he did that and just that creep factor and he helped he helped adapt Black Phone, which we've covered, as well as uh, Cargill, who's also uh, with the writing credit on this one as well. He directed so, Black Phone, right? Yeah, he did. Thank right, you. Right, yeah, okay, thank yeah. you for reminding me of that. Yes, he did direct Black Phone. So the man knows what he's doing and can do do the creep and do the supernatural very well. Uh, so very long, long drawn out answer. Yes, I'd seen this before. Yes, I like this. I was very excited. I, there was things that I had forgotten because it's been a minute since I've seen this, but yeah, I, I, I dug it. I still dig it. <laughs> now, for those of you that don't know what this is about, our good, good buddies at IMDb want you to know a controversial... You, you don't even need to read this. This is, this is just all about the frustrations of being a writer. This is, <laughs> this is a writer who's just written a movie about the frustrations of being a writer. That That's it. The guy just put down on paper what it's like to be a writer. Yes, but 
what it is really about is the world's least observant crime writer drinks a drink that had been poisoned by his daughter. Considering the fact that he spends most of the movie drinking everything in sight, it can probably be forgiven. The daughter, to her credit and in her defense, was kind enough to leave a note. <laughs> I'm just saying she followed the rule, the arrested development rule of always leave a note. Always leave a note. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, that note could be interpreted some way like, hey, you know, like I, I didn't poison this, but I hope you sleep real well. And is <laughs> that last drink, man. I shouldn't have taken that last drink. How do you know it's going to be the last drink? I didn't, man. <laughs> Sadly, IMDb is going to disagree with both of you because they want you to know a controversial true crime writer finds a box of super eight home movies in his new home revealing that the murder case he is currently researching could be the work of an unknown serial killer whose legacy dates back to the 1960s the 1960s the 1960s? <laughs> I knew both of you. I knew based on our our our, our quote discussion, both of you were gonna follow up with that. And this is why I love you and we're why we're friends. <laughs> okay, I, I think that gets into my first thing about okay. the movie. Like, yeah, we, we talk about him being a, a writer and how he's researching. Like Donna's point about it being about how about writing is is one thing, but I think it's actually about the avoidance of writing, which is a, a perfectly fine thing. Like this dude doesn't like he gets embroiled in all this spookiness and watching all these old films, but it doesn't seem like he's actually taking any notes or trying to outline anything or actually putting together a book project. I, I don't know. He's, I, he's lost in world building. He's got world builder's disease. Yeah, I've got that. I, that's a problem for me with him. I'm like, yeah, just, just, just stop and write something, will you? You'll be, you'll be happier. But I think uh, you're right, though. I think that's that kind of sums up his character is that he doesn't want to put in the work of of writing an actual good book. Like, I mean, yeah. And I think world building is a perfect, perfect description because, yeah, he's got the movies. He's got the the board, you know, he's looking like Charlie Day with from It's Always Sunny with his with his dartboard. But he yeah, he really doesn't write anything. Right. He's got that classic writer's problem where he wants to have written a book, but he has almost no interest in writing a book. Would you also think it is safe to assume that? Because his first book came so easy and he had such success with that, that that's also <laughs> I have part some of, opinions about that. Yes. That's part of his problem too. Uh yeah. <laughs> uh that he has any expectation that a book would be any kind of success and that it could support his family and uh fund his interesting real estate choices is uh you know, <laughs> it's a position to take. Well, I mean, look at M. Night Shyamalan. Okay, M. Night Shyamalan hit so big with The Sixth Sense. And then he kept trying to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. And Two varying over. degrees of success. Two varying degrees of success. And people will argue about whether Unbreakable and um, 
I Science. can't remember signs and the village and I don't think I don't think anyone thinks the village worked, but um, you there, know but there are people out there. Hey, I'm okay. just gonna say this: all of his films got me each time, including the village. So I'm just leaving it at hey, that. I- I figured out the ending of The Village about halfway through, and I stopped myself because I thought that would be the stupidest fucking ending for a movie. So I was like, oh, no, I, I got this wrong. He's he's cooking something else. I got to let him cook. No. It never, never once at any point during the entire movie did I not think The Village was set in modern times. Not once. Anyway, but that's... This is uh, about Sinister. Yeah. This movie. Um but yeah, the point is that it's very easy, I think, for a writer to have a hit with something and then just desperately try to recreate that formula. So that all made sense to me, what he was doing, that he was trying to, like a pigeon who's trying to get a piece of food to drop, he's trying to recreate the formula that made that success. That all made sense to me. Or or it's like a, a junkie for, for lack of a better term, uh-huh. chasing the first high. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I've never tried heroin, but I hear that that first taste of heroin is just great. The 18th taste, nah, not so much. I think the junkie description is really good of mm-hmm. of Ellison because we do see him watching old VHS tapes of interviews of himself. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's a good. I like that. I like the junkie. Yeah the junkie analogy that's good mm-hmm. and him constantly saying that he doesn't he's not in it for fame dude, mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> sure jan sure <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying this film also just really cements my 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 life rule of don't trust ethan hawk in horror films <laughs> Just, it's a good rule. Just don't like. I mean, I kind of like also use that and just Ethan Hawke in general in films, but this in horror films specifically, this is a a good rule. I mean, Uma Thurma divorced him, which means I think don't trust Ethan Hawke. Stop. But people get divorced for all kinds of reasons. I mean, they they were a very effective parents for their child, so I think it just may have been a compatibility issue, possibly. Or- Perfectly Possibly. decent people can be bad at marriage, and absolute psychopaths can be great at it. So, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. It doesn't seem like there's any like huge animosity between them. I mean, the the life of a Hollywood star could be just sure antithetical to the proper nurturing of a relationship. All right. I don't know why I'm suddenly defending Ethan Hawke. Like, hey, I will not stand for Hawk slander. <laughs> I'm part of the Hawk crew. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that I wonder why he wasn't cast as Doctor Strange if Derrickson was around. But, you know. Because Benedict Cumberbatch had already been cast as Doctor Strange a couple movies back. I don't think that's true. Yeah, Yeah, he had done the first Doctor Strange. Yeah. No, but Derrickson directed the first one. I'm saying, why wasn't he cast as uh, Doctor Strange in that first Doctor Strange movie? Cumberbatch is a name. Like, nothing against Ethan Hawke, but... Okay, Hawk crew time again! <laughs> Hawk's a name! <laughs> yeah, but Benedict Cumberbatch is hot. And I'm not talking about physical appearance. I'm talking... Don't, that too. I'm talking about... I mean, he is a big name right now, and Ethan Hawke has dropped. All right. 
90s, early 2000s, if they'd have done Doctor Strange, yes, I think Hawk would have been okay. I don't want to. I don't want the the Hawk crew to come like yeah, circle oh, my oh. circle my house. We fly, man. We're the Hawk crew. <laughs> don't go looking in the sky. We're not there unless we are. <laughs> oh, we're the Hawk crew. Hawk crew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did not expect this morning to be very defensive about Ethan Hawke <laughs> and his and his various deeds on this earth. But I, I, I mean, I, I looked into it. It looks like he was on the list for Doctor Strange the first time. And I'm surprised Derrickson didn't try to fight for him. Maybe he wasn't in a position to do so. Maybe you're right. Cumberbatch was just a bigger name at that particular moment. Uh, but I think he could have done it. Yeah. Oh, I think he oh, could have. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying he couldn't have. I'm just saying at this particular time, Cumberbatch has more clout. No. Yeah. All right. So So one of the things I find interesting with Sinister, and I know I'm not sure if either one of you have seen it dubbed the scariest movie, but they did a heartbeat test. Uh, So this is how it got it, Donna, because I see your face. Uh, So they did a study, which basically they had different people watching horror films to check their heart rate. And they did a study and they showed and Sinister was one of the films they showed and people had a higher heart rate that averaged out between I I couldn't tell you how many were in the study that that was an elevated heart rate like they oh. had. Uh, so that right. is, well, they, they the use science. science behind it. So and as you know, Cabin is we are pro science. And so that is how <laughs> it got. Hawk. We are, go, keep going. <laughs> Uh, that is actually how it got the the distinction of being the scariest film because of that study. And it was really, I thought it was really cool because I just finally finished on Shudder. Shudder's got this fantastic series they did last October or yeah, September, last September, October called the 101 Scariest Scenes uh, in Horror Films. And in the top 10, uh, Sinister was in there and it was the scene of, Trevor coming out of the box, his son, that they weren't expecting. That was pretty spooky. So, you know, I thought that was really cool. It's like, yeah, because that is a creepy scene that you're not expecting. And like, I that's one of the things I like about this. And I think, I think a why a lot of seasoned, I don't want to say season, season's not the right word, but a lot of horror fans do enjoy this film because there are things that catch you off guard that still get you like Mm -hmm. i had seen this and there were still parts i was like oh that's you know like when mr boogie aka bagul like turns his head on that image in the monitor like i was not expecting that and so it's like oh yeah that's still got some creeps to it Mm -hmm. and there's shots in the home movies especially that opening home movie where if you're paying attention you see a hand come out on the tree of when they throw the the sickle or whatever the little axe like it's real fast but you see this little this hand jut out that tosses it like so it's it's got a lot of interesting layers like that where if you're paying attention you'll catch it and then that add to me that just adds to the creep factor with it i'm glad you brought up trevor though because trevor was one of the things that i didn't love about the writing of this film trevor exists in my opinion only as a red herring he only exists when it is time for him to distract you from something else trevor is there so you will think that trevor is the kid that's going to be the problem uh trevor exists to bring 
just like he's exists to be the kid in the box. He exists so that you think he is the one who is being consumed by Bagul. Um, Trevor is not a consistent presence in the movie is my problem. He appears and then he just ceases to exist for a while and then he's there again. And that that bugged me a little bit. I don't disagree with what you're saying. The question I have for you is your reaction to that, is it in retrospect or were you having that in the middle of the movie? I did actually have it in the middle of the movie. Okay. Um, I think the second episode of Night Terrors, I remember going, where's this kid been? No. On the other hand, to be honest, I don't think Stephanie has a consent, not Stephanie, their daughter. What's her name? Ashley. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, she wasn't a consistent present I either, but she was more consistent than Trevor. I think with Ashley, she became consistent when he found out that children are affected, that that's what Bagul wants. I think that's when, and you can make the argument that he is that self-absorbed, that until it affects something like that, mm -hmm. that he's going to pay attention. And also, it's a nice clue to the audience. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't know we really needed to be concerned about the kids until he finds out. I mean, granted, yes, you can make the argument that it's a horror film. You should be <laughs> always concerned about the kids. But, I mean, come on, like, seeing the little, seeing Stephanie in the corner of her room telling Ashley to shh as that painting is on the wall. Like, man, that is just like creep sauce. And I, I'm here for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so one of the things I do like with this film that to me kind of set it apart is that the opening shot, opening with that eight millimeter home super movie. Eight. Super Yeah, like opening with that like that told me and then even you know even on this rewatch it's like you're in for something you're not expecting like you're still and I think by them actually shooting on that type of film I think that also adds to the disturbing the disturbingness and just kind of the disjointedness of it like I really think that is a those home movies being shot like home movies and like I think it's just man it it hits and it works for me. Um, the Super 8 actually brought me back in a uh, pleasant way. Um, in my early 20s, I hung out with this uh, guy who had aspirations to be a filmmaker. And uh, he shot movies on Super 8. Um, so I uh, there is footage of me somewhere in... Um, lingerie and high heels running down a hill and broken arrow um well, we got to put that on the schedule yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i don't have access to that film um and we also filmed um an adaptation of i know what you need by stephen king and i played the um bad girl and i know what you need by stephen king i don't know where that is either <laughs> Uh, anyway, but yeah, I have very fond memories of Super 8. I just checked. It's on Tubi, so you're good. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. You will find I am not a good actor. <laughs> I was told I need to emote more and use variations in my tone of voice. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, but yeah, the Super 8, the Super 8 film, 
Um, so, so that does bring me up to a question: which which Super Eight home movie creeped you guys out the most? The first you know? one. The first one. No, the with, with the, the, fire. the fire. No, yeah the 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 hanging um the hanging one um creeped me out just because they weren't reacting. But of course, that was answered later on with the you know information that they've been drugged. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that one creeped me out mostly because if I were standing there, I would be reacting to that. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't just be standing there. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was one, that was the creepy part for me. Yeah, that one. The first one got me. And then the lawn work one got me because you're just watching this lawnmower and you don't exactly know, you know, oh, it's going to be bad. I do. You, but you're not sure the level of bad. And so that anticipation is building and it's just like, oh, yeah. I knew there was a face coming. I had no doubt that there was a <laughs> face coming. I, there's a face coming. Um, But there also, when the face arrived, there was a lot of this going on. <laughs> hand waving and ah ah for the people who don't have the video stream <laughs> ah um no the 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 burning car one was the one that got me hmm. that was that was the 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 nope nope yeah nope for me when you when you noped out <laughs> you know, so the the pool the pool scene was was pretty not great also it was it was the the first one that went in where you could still see the toes Little little toe wiggles, little little toe wiggles. It was like, oh, that's not okay. <laughs> so one of the things I also like about this film is that it doesn't play coy for very long on where this house is, what he's done to his family, like that he has moved them into an actual murder house. Like I, I like that we as the audience know that, and that nobody else does, but nobody else in his family does yet and so like, like nobody took that tree branch down right like that tree branch is still just sitting there yeah it's just hanging out considering like, there's I, a lot of damaged trees in this town right now and in, in <laughs> real life i i that i had no problem with because people are like oh well you know what are you gonna do it's a tree <laughs> yeah there's tulsa tulsa is the uh tree apocalypse still yeah two weeks later yeah i uh i drove i drove down a uh, 61st the other day and was like that that seemed to have been the center of the god hates trees wow anyway also not sinister um <laughs> but boy does god hate trees on 61st street so yeah i mean like two seconds after the movie starts you realize that they have moved into the murder house and you're like, that's not good. That's not going to be <laughs> be good for anybody. Like, listen, I don't believe in that stuff. <laughs> and I, I don't believe in all of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Kenzie, this is why I love you. This is why we love each other. I don't think I would move into a murder house. It's like, I think we may have discussed on this podcast at some point. I don't believe that if I go into a bathroom with a candle and turn the lights out and chant bloody mary that bloody mary's going to come out i'm not going to do it <laughs> well it's not going to happen because some kid in the 90s already brought her out through the mirror and she walks among us now that's that's science donna yeah i mean cool 
<laughs> I'm not going to do it. There is no need to test it. Donna's good is what she's saying. Is yeah. She's good. I don't believe in it. I don't believe anything is going to happen. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to move into a murder house. <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in demons. Not going to move into a murder house. Just. <laughs> I I not. do kind of believe in vibes. So clearly the vibes were off in the house. I mean, I don't need that kind of pain in my life. Yeah. There you go. But I also. So, you know, we get to see what the house that they used to live in, that they were still trying to sell was. I get why everybody was pissed off because that was that house was awesome. That was so, that was a that was a historical monument. Yeah, like that was a nice house. So no wonder they were they were grumpy about moving into suburbia. Yeah, so, that was definitely a downgrade. Oh yeah, this is what you know because if it was similar houses, okay. But no, with them like I like my old house better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. We moved out of a hotel into a trailer, basically. So anyway, uh, this film has a bona fide U.S. senator and presidential candidate in it. Yes, it does. That's weird. Fred Thompson is the the sheriff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I always forget he's went political, especially like when I watch old Law and Order SVU episodes and he's up there and I'm like... Oh yeah. This was after he ran for president though. That's the weird thing. Like he's you know, you don't go into that house guy in a horror movie after, you know, finishing eighth in Iowa. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't much of a presidential candidate. That's 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 important to remember. But I, I the thing I was struck by in the, the end credits, like he had a title card like Fred Dalton Thompson. It was all dripping off the wall. I'm like, that's not a bad campaign poster. <laughs> I mean if if I was, that's how I would want my campaign posters to be. If I'm yeah. just going to be honest, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean in, you know, into that. Maybe a little Star Wars ease as well, but mm. you know, maybe, maybe a jump scare in my campaign commercials, like Matt Boyle <laughs> cares about your values. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how about? The little cameo by the creepiest human on the planet. D'Onofrio? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I grant the premise that he's the creepiest person on the planet, but... Oh, he absolutely is. He played Orson Welles in Ed Wood. I, 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 I don't know if I can give him that. And I've also heard he's super delightful to meet at cons. Like I, yeah. So he plays creepy very well, but I've also heard like there's a lot of teddy bear to him. I just rewatched Full Metal Jacket in my head, and I'm I'm now one over to your side. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, it's been it's been a minute since I've watched Full Metal Jacket that I can't like. I've erased over that VHS tape in my brain, so I can't like access it. No, I pulled it up. I was like, oh wait, Donna's right. He's creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Con- contest withdrawn. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was actually. The utterly forgettable, except for the performance of Vincent D'Onofrio, The Cage with Jennifer Lopez. Oh, The Cell. Oh, The, the cell. cell. The Cell. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, anyway, right. but he was he was great in this. He was just friendly and mm-hmm. informative and provided useful information. And apparently he performed for one day and is actually uncredited yep. in the movie because he was like, nah, 
I didn't do enough to be credited. Well, and I like, like, I always forget he's in this. And then when he shows up, I'm like, oh, hey, it's always like, what are you doing here? (laughs) I wasn't expecting to see you. (laughs) And the fact, yeah, that he, you know, he is a, a very, very helpful, very knowledgeable professor. Yeah, I, I like that. I actually didn't recognize him at first because he was not being creepy. He was just being friendly and, you know, kind of goofy college professory. So <laughs> it took me a while to figure out who he was because he was not creeping me out. <laughs> but I just thought we should mention him because, you know. Oh, yeah. No, he 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 does provide the knowledge that, you know, that kind of gets us really on. He's the one that gets us going on the supernatural road, I would say. Like his, like knowledge of what this thing is mm-hmm. like i like he yeah bagul uh the eater of children it's like this is a symbol and then there's a scorpion there's a snake and then you're like what i've seen all of those things by the way i should mention that that is not a coral snake okay that is not a coral snake red on black friend of jack red on yellow kill a fellow that was red on black friend of jack that was not a coral snake it would have bitten him because snakes bite, but it wouldn't have killed him. All right. Good to know. Not a venomous snake. So I did enjoy with this when we finally really get to see the ghost kids and see what he's been hearing. Like that, I mean, you see them the one time with the dog, which you don't know what you're seeing. But then when you really get to see what they've been doing to him, like that is, that was just really creepy and really well done. And we briefly talked about the scene, but it ends with Ashley, with Stephanie in Ashley's room right next to the painting that she's done and just telling her to be quiet. Like, yeah, very, very creepy. Mm. And then seeing them all in the attic watching the home movies and then and turning around and seeing Ethan Hawke like, whoa, like that's always the scene I remember in this movie is that shot is them all turning around and looking at Ethan Hawke. And I'm just like, oh, no, 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 no. Yep. I want to talk about the wife. He doesn't deserve her, for one thing. Just thought I'd throw that out. Uh, do I have to get my hot crew? Go ahead. Get your hot <laughs> crew. Uh, if anyone is watching the HBO Perry Mason, that's Della from Perry Mason. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah. I'm not watching. I want to, though. It's really good. Like, I don't have any, like, Attachments to Raymond Burr. Yeah. Any attachments, anything like that. And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And actually, I really enjoy it. I have not been uh, been disappointed with these two seasons. They've been very well done. But yeah, that's Della. Since you since you brought up the wife. Yeah. And I guess I guess this is sort of a, a mini poll. All right. She asks him, she or she says to him, Tell me we are not moving in two doors down from the murder house. And he says back to her, we are not moving in two doors down from the murder house. <laughs> now, he didn't lie. No. They never get him for perjury. It's they not that never... he didn't lie. He didn't commit perjury. <laughs> but I think it's obvious what she was asking. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing, but I also know the family that I grew up with. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you had to be very specific on questions that you asked. Because then it's not lying. <laughs> so that is why I'm giggling. It's like, well, yeah, that uh, that tracks. 
Uh, so what should he have done there? Well, we know what he should have done. But Write the damn book first. <laughs> he should have written the book. Um, but what, what, what should he have done? First of all, before buying a house, there should have been a discussion about, hey, for this new book I'm interested in writing, I want to do this. What do you think? I think that should have been <laughs> the first discussion. <laughs> And not, oh, I bought another house. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he hasn't had a regular job in a while. I don't know how he got the credit on his own. Like, she had to sign some papers. That Kentucky blood money, Mac. <laughs> to get Sounds, to get a house? Sounds hey, like Kentucky bet. blood money is running out. Yeah. Hey, I'm just saying, uh, 2012 was a different time. It was a different time. That was a better, more innocent time when we thought our fellow people would... <laughs> Band together to defeat a common enemy. Like I said, oh, I'm sad time. now. <laughs> what should he have done? I, 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 I mean, not be him is <laughs> the ultimate answer. There, he was an alcoholic, an obsessive alcoholic. So they were going to come to some kind of bad end. Oh yeah, yeah. It would be impossible for her to guess that it would be ghosts that would do it. Yeah. I mean, you should always suspect ghosts, but that's a whole other... Well, you always suspect (laughs) ghosts, Kenzie. I get that. (laughs) I'm not worried about you getting got surprised, like, by a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. I will be the one murdered by a ghost. Right, because you're not going to... Come on, ghost, whatever. And then... (laughs) Suddenly Donna's having to call Tangina Barrett, having to go get Bunny. (laughs) All right. Well, then let's just jump into rule poll and quote. Donna has her quote. And the reason we landed on this quote, which I, I mean, one, there's some very funny, especially with deputy so-and-so quotes. Oh, I'm sorry. Max got a quote. Sorry. Max got a quote. Mm -hmm. And, but we really landed on this quote because we all agreed this kind of drives L's problems home. Like mm-hmm. the problem with him. Uh, and so with that, Mac. Don't worry, Daddy. I'll make you famous again. I think that's the last actual line of dialogue in the film. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Last line. Uh, notice she did not say, don't worry, Daddy. I'll make sure the book is finished for you. Because <laughs> he don't give two shits whether the book is actually done. He just wants to be famous. Right. Which she knew. <laughs> she she knew what, what he really wanted. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now Donna has a rule. I do. Over the past hundred plus episodes, we've had several variations on listen to women, listen to the woman scientist. But today, this rule actually goes out to those women, which is listen to yourself. Trust your instincts. When that instinct says, I should take my children and get out of here, take your children and get out of there. Do that. Do that thing. Especially when they can show up at another house later that night and be all ready to unpack. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There was not a lot of logistical problems in getting out of that house. So. Yeah, they 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 got out pretty, pretty cleanly, pretty in the middle of the night with all their boxes packed, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they, they got out pretty fast. Well, and Donna also has our poll. Okay, so we didn't actually discuss the um, the mechanism of what's happening in this movie. We, we, we 
we didn't do that. So let me just kind of synopsize what's happening. Uh, but basically, if a family moves into a house where a previous murder has happened and then moves out of that house, then they will be the next family to be murdered by Bagul. Okay. And then Bagul, Bagul takes over one of the children, and the children is the physical form who commits the murder. That that's the the timeline of what happens. You move into a house, you move out of that house, your kid murders you in a particularly horrific way. So L and his family moved into the house. They found what was going on. They moved out. And then their darling Ashley murdered them. So Tracy was campaigning hard for them to leave. If Tracy had done what she threatened to do, take the kids and go to her sister, what would have happened? Would the family have been mur- have been murdered? I don't think so. I think that Tracy taking the kids fairly early on and going to her sisters like she said she would do, I think that would almost negate the work that the ghost kids and Mr. Boogie had done on on Ashley. And so then it would just be next in line. You know what I mean? Just kind of, there wasn't enough time because he only he had really started seeing the image only it was affecting him it hadn't really started with his kids because i my head canon is once that drawing happened on the wall when ashley was seeing stephanie that's kind of when mr boogie was getting and the ghost kids were getting their hooks in on on her i wonder if the hooks are in much earlier than we're thinking okay and, and if there would like the kid would have murdered everybody at the sister's house. Um, I also wonder with this fair question, what happens if you just don't move out of the house? Does Mr. Boogie impotently rage for years and years? Cause I mean, I move. Uh, we bought this house and it's turned out to be a slowly moving death trap, but I'm not going to get equity out of it for 10 years. So I'm not leaving. <laughs> no boogie's going to come here. Like I'm going to kill you. Like, okay. I have to leave for you to have that. And what if that doesn't happen? Are you making an offer on the house? Are you paying above market value on this house? Otherwise, no, I'm not leaving. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're painting weird shit on the ha- walls. Okay. There's shit leaking out of the walls anyway. <laughs> well, I wonder if that's also part of the ghost kids jobs, for lack of a better like phrase, is to drive the family away to set that next step, like to really start amping up that poltergeist activity to get the family out. Like that's, I'll eat you slower if you do this for me. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm saying they're going to try, but they're going to have to try real hard to get me out of the house (laughs) that quickly after signing the papers on a mortgage. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of my other question is what what is the threshold for it being the point of no return? Is it is it at, when you sign the papers are you doomed? When you cross the threshold are you doomed? But in the rules of this movie, you're not you're only screwed after you leave the house. Mm-hmm. So you could just like oh he can be spooky and shit like oh yeah I've watched all of those eight millimeter films five times but nothing happened here. I would break the chain. (laughs) I think, I don't want to say it bothers me, but it's something I think about, you know, like you go back to Cabin in the Woods and they're not doomed until they read the Latin. 
And um, Evil Dead, they're not doomed until they start messing with the book and the words are read or, you know, these other these other movies. So I'm trying to figure. And I guess what is the of course you're saying they're not doomed until they leave the house. Well, I'm saying what is the point that they can't leave the house? In the context of this movie, I don't think that there's a point where they can't leave the house because they have to leave the house for the thing to recycle. Mm hmm. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's sort of a con and a hustle on the part of Mr. Boogie that he, he's anticipating the behavior to keep going the same way uh, that they got to leave the house eventually if I'm going to spooky him enough. But what if I don't? <laughs> We're stuck with each other forever, Boogie, man. What if they don't move out, but they spend a couple of nights a week at a hotel? That's interesting. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh -huh. They don't move out, but they go on vacation a lot. That could work. They still maintain a primary residence at that house. They just go on a lot of trips. Yeah. I'm seeing some loopholes here. Yeah. His whole thing's a little, maybe an inch too ornate to not have, not fall apart eventually. Oh, no, we still live there. We still live there. It needs a second location. Never go with a demon to a second location. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we've done that rule too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good rule. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's a rule it's, for life. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's solid. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disagreeing the merits of that rule. It's a good rule. Yeah, but then again, I'm weird. I get that. Like, I mean, Hellraiser. Oh, a puzzle box? No thanks. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> yeah. Mac, you are not who the hell priest wants, okay? Yeah, I like <laughs> And Ed's like, oh, him? Never mind. <laughs> We've been beat, boys. <laughs> Cheese it. <laughs> we have such pleasures to show you. Do I have to leave the house? Well, yes. No. No. It's it's but, hot out. It's hot out there. Uh, but there, but 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 look at us. We're having so much fun. <laughs> I see really? that one's lower intestines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I prefer I prefer my my organs to stay in the body. But you know, I'm not I'm not judging you guys. It feels like you're into this, and I celebrate your path. But I'm here, man. I'm good. And on that note, who wants to go first with Happy Place? <laughs> I'll go first because mine's a small thing, but it brings me tremendous joy. All right. This week, I achieved something I thought I would never achieve, and that is no new emails in my inbox. All right. Earlier this week, there were 36,000 new emails in my inbox. Whoa. And today, there are no new emails <laughs> in my inbox. This nice. brings me joy. Okay. Um, mine is pretty short too, so my happy place is we went and saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh yesterday, and it's very fun and it's a delight. Everyone seems to be having fun and it shows in the movie. Go see it. It's it's good stuff. Agreed. Uh my happy place, it's weird. Uh we recorded a week ago after the massive blackout of 2023 which shall forever be known as and I actually stocked up happy places during that week because the, the the contrast was real it was like oh this is miserable this is not miserable i'm noting the lack of miserableness here 
right after we got the power back, this is the Saturday before we recorded the last episode, uh, there was a, a local screening here. Uh, actually, it was a movie marathon, but the first movie up was Gremlins 2 uh, with a meet and greet and uh, introduction by Joe Dante. So I got to meet Joe Dante, who is in that pantheon of of pure heroes for me. Uh, he he's a, he was very cool. I got my matinee Blu-ray signed by him. I already have a uh, Brain Gremlin action figure that I paid for him to sign and ship to me, which came right after it was announced he was coming. So I've got like three Joe Dante autographs sitting around the house now. But uh, Gremlins 2 in 35 millimeter there. I like I'll go see a garbage fire if it's in 35 millimeter. But Gremlins 2 is a particularly special movie to see in 35 millimeter because there's a gag in the middle where the real breaks and the Gremlins take over the movie theater. But then in the climax of the film, the the real broke again, which I couldn't have been more delighted with something going wrong in my entire life. I I. We were, the theater was cackling. I I was the first one to scream out, those goddamn gremlins. Really, really a delight. That's fantastic. That is great. I love it. And on that note, we are on social media. You can currently find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Cabin. We have a Facebook page, Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, as well as our website, beyondthecabinofthewoods.com. I am currently on Twitter and Instagram as at Callista77. I'm on Twitter. I don't know for how much longer, guys. I think I'm done, but yeah, give keep going. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Dragon Goblin. There's no I in Goblin. <laughs> uh, there is a Twitter account that exists. Uh, I think I resolved after yesterday's rate limits that that's the end for me i I, it just it's not even that it's awful it's not even useful anymore so the twitter's there but and there's information about other things there at party apocalypse technically i'm on instagram maybe i'll start posting there i don't know but i am on spoutable also at party apocalypse and thanks to editor billy i got a code for blue sky so i am at party apocalypse.bsky.social on that so if you get a code come find me i'm not giving you a code listening public <laughs> i made the mistake last night of posting to twitter like hey anybody want a blue sky code and get get the hell out of here got flooded with randos going like me 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 i'm like whoa 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 i was asking people i actually know and want to take with me you need to get the hell out <laughs> Partyapocalypse.com for really the most up-to-date information, including updates to this podcast and other podcasts, including uh, The Holodeck is Broken and Disorganized, a Criminal Minds podcast, also complete runs of Friendables, two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter, The Fourth Wall, and As the Myth Turns. As always, thanks to our editor, Billy, for making us sound professional. We do appreciate it. We love you, Billy. And thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us if you aren't already doing so. And don't read the Latin. You know what horror is.